Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Hi, Ken Carey. Um, this is such a delight to have you um, after reading your extensive and wonderful resume with all the beautiful shows that you've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the, the questions that have been collated through Equity, I'm really excited to hear your point of view and your thoughts and your opinions. So let's just kick into it because I know that's what we're sure. all about. It's and great. that is, first of all, questions around the casting brief because they're being down under, uh, we do have access to some of the, of the auditions going out. So specifically to that, do you specifically go outside of the US to cast every time or is there a difference and how does that work in terms of you working with a local casting director? Um, A lot of times we work with local casting directors and uh, so we'll have somebody in Australia, New Zealand, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, London, Chicago, um, Boston, um, Atlanta, all these different places that have a pool of talent and we will you know coordinate things, uh, myself and my business partner, Paul Schnee, um, will coordinate things with all of the different casting directors that are hired for a project uh, outside of New York and LA. I have an office in LA and in New York. And collate everything, watch everything, and then start uh, going through that to get it to the directors and producers. And then eventually we'll have a director callback sessions from all of the tapes that we've seen. A lot of times uh, the director will, if there's that, some of my directors are very meticulous in how they work. And so they'll look at everything as well. So they'll have access to everything. And some of the directors just want to see what we think, Paul and I think are the ones that they wanna look at. Um, And we'll highlight the ones that we think, even if they're not exactly what we've been told they want, we'll highlight the ones that we think are interesting auditions just so that they'll get to know a wider group of talent. When we did uh, this project called Timmy Failure for Disney Plus, we had people all over the world and we had the Lee boy was an eight year, eight or 10 year old kid. And we, between us and, um, and, uh, Randy Hiller at Disney and all the local people we hired, we got, we had over 3,000 submissions that we had to look at and we looked at all of them. Wow. So, yeah. That was, was my lot. question too. Do you, because you, I mean, inundated with tapes, not only from casting directors, but I imagine self tapes as well. And a yeah. question on that too. Realistically and honestly, do they get all get seen? I, I, we look at everything we don't necessarily get through the entire audition. If it's somebody that's completely like wrong for what we're looking for. Um, If somebody's doing interesting work, we'll, even if it's not exactly what we're looking for, we'll be fascinated enough to spend our 10 minutes looking at the scenes that we've chosen. My dog is snoring. So I hope it's not interfering. (laughs) Um, So yes. The thing though, um, that's changing a lot, Sarah, is that we're getting, instead of, hiring people all over the globe. We're actually getting a lot of tapes globally. I mean, casting has opened up in the last few years to a global market. And so that's been 
fantastic for actors and fantastic for us too, because we get a whole new group of actors that we get to know, you know, from all of the different countries. And especially with Australia, New Zealand and Canada and London, we're seeing a lot of people because obviously they're all English speaking countries and we're mostly working on English speaking projects. So, um, so that's There's a lot of actors that prefer to, to self tape as opposed to go into the casting room and vice versa for very different reasons. I know that mm. you that one-on-one -on -one in the room is yeah. very special, but when you're self taping, there's that the nerves and tension that can come. You can often give a better quality of performance. Do you have any comments around either? Yeah, or I do, because I feel like, you know, I mean, everybody's got to get used to self tape. And uh, so that's one of the things that we're clearly seeing a lot more of, and especially with this whole COVID thing, we're probably going to be doing self tapes on most of our projects for a while uh, yeah. until everything's cleared up. And so, you know, it's, it behooves any actor to get used to doing that. But I do think that, you know, being in the room with the casting director and ultimately the director and the rest of the creative team is actually better because you get that immediate yeah. response to what someone is doing and you can say, okay, well, do this scene again and let's tweak it this way. And uh, think about, you know, this beat and the scene that actually means something that you might've missed had you not been in the room. So it's, yeah. it's eventually it's going to be a little bit more time consuming because I'll get a self tape and then I'll talk to the reps, the act managers or agents or whomever sent me the tape and, or the actors themselves sometimes. And, uh, and then give notes and get another set of tapes. So, so it's going to be a little bit more time consuming. Um, and then the massive amount of material that we're getting through self tapes is, is a lot more than, the number of auditions I can schedule in a day in my office. So, so it's, it's gotten, it's gotten more efficient and more cumbersome at the same time. Yeah. In regards to then, if we're taking, taking casting room, if we could still walk in or if it's it perhaps over a, a zoom or a Skype meeting or something, mm -hmm. when an actor walks in or when you first meet them, is that first impression, what is it that you're kind of looking for or you're picking up on when they walk into that room? Everybody's different. So everybody walks in with a different kind of attitude. I love actors and most of the people I work with do as well. And so I'm just looking for somebody that's excited to show me what their ideas about that particular character in, in the realm of that story is. So it's exciting for me to take you know, that time with someone to see what their creative process is and how they approach things. I think, and, and you know, each audition is different. I mean, there's, uh, we were doing a show called Hand of God for, um, for Amazon a few years back. And one of the lead series regulars characters audition scene was this horrible scene where she's talking to her husband. It's a great scene, but you know, you know, dramatic scene where she's talking to her husband who's on life support and her anger of having been raped. And so that was the audition scene. And there's no way to walk in in a cheerful attitude if you're an actor and have that headspace going on for the scene. So, so each, each audition has to be connected to whatever journey that character is going through. Obviously with the Pitch Perfect movies, people came in and sang to me. So it was like, right, this is yeah. great, this is fun, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then did some scene work as well. 
So it's just, you know, it's specific to the, the project and, and the journey that that character's on. So. When you're but receiving. I think, I, think, I, think, I think one of the things though, to answer part of your question is um, if an actor comes in with confidence that yeah. they have something to offer and confidence is def different than arrogance for sure. You know, it's a different kind of attitude of like, hey, here's what I have. I think this is, you know, something interesting that I've been working on. And so here it is. Um, and I think that's something that really relaxes everybody in the room. If somebody comes in with a, a clear attitude of what they want to show us and, um, and is excited about it. That leads so. me to the next kind of question in terms mm -hmm. of what you, what type of preparation do you want them to do? And specifically, there's a difference, I think, between auditioning down under and topside with regards to the script in hand versus Australia, New Zealand, it's, term, it's usually off script. And That's we are asked to yeah. audition you yeah. usually with it off script, but then we always question, but Americans are holding it in their hands, so mm -hmm. which one is it? It's uh, whatever makes you feel best as an actor, I think. Um, like it feels like most of the actors in London are off book when they come in for an audition. Most of the actors in both New York and, and Los Angeles, even if they are pretty much off book, they have that in their hand. So that yeah. if they, you know, they still have that roadmap for themselves if they get somewhat lost. But it's the, not a memory test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. I mean, kids memorize because they don't read as quickly. And so, we when we were seeing we've been we've done a lot of kids recently and they're always off book which is amazing because they're like seven or eight years old and they've got three scenes memorized you know yeah. and sometimes they're little robots and sometimes they're actually real actors so it's it's interesting to see that um but to me whatever you know some actors are dyslexic so they want to memorize stuff because they don't you know the words twist yeah. when they're looking at them um, some actors have a nervous shake, so they'd rather have it memorized instead of having the paper shake in their hands. Because nerves are a part of, unfortunately, yeah. we haven't figured out how to get rid of the nerve wracking <laughs> atmosphere of the audition space yet. Um, and we try to make it as, as, as uh, zen and, and comfortable as possible <laughs> in, a situ in the audition situation, so. That's so, yeah. I think that's the ongoing battle and on screen as well. Um, yeah. can, I, can actors ask for more information about a role? Oh, absolutely. I, I start almost every audition with, do you have any questions? Um, and sometimes people do and sometimes don't. I feel like, and I did a, um, did a town hall with an, a big agency this week. And my advice to them was, not don't just give you know if the script's not available don't just give your actors the sides give them the breakdown as well so that they at least know the relationships of all the other characters in in the project so that they know you know if they're reading with a person who's their sibling as opposed to a romantic interest um and then it sets a whole different journey of that scene if they know their relationship with the other characters in in the story itself so I would, I would, you know, if I were an actor, I would say, do you have, if I don't, if you don't have the script, can I get a look at the breakdown and the log line at least? You know, there's a yeah. lot of projects that we've worked on. Well, not a lot, but a few projects that we've worked on. We did uh, Jessica Jones, which was that Marvel show for Netflix a few years ago. 
and we had fake sides. You know, they wouldn't release the script. Actors had to sign an NDA to even get the fake sides. They had to, once we got back down to the callback session, they had to come into our office and leave their cell phone in the waiting room and read the script in the office before they even came back for their screen test stuff. And it's based on a comic book that you can buy at the magazine store. So I don't know what that whole thing was about, but yeah. So, you know, there's all these different things that are going on nowadays that, you know, with the NDA stuff, but same thing with the help help. They wouldn't let us release the script, but you could go buy the book at Barnes and Noble, you know, so. (laughs) Since we're specifically talking about Australia, New Zealand, approaching America. I know the sea, it feels like the, the pilot season is now a morphing thing with streaming channels and obviously COVID. There's always been that gut wrench that you need to be in the country, in LA, to get in the room, to get traction. Or is it now, do you think, with the self-taping and the current situation that we're in, that it's a bit more even Stevens in terms of sending something up? rather than having to be on the ground? It's, uh, it's a little more even. Uh, the one thing that I would say about especially pilots is that they move quickly, and much more quickly than film. And so even if you do a great self-tape, if you don't already have your visa or green card paperwork in place anyway, um, you're not going to be able to get it done in time. And right now, the United States is an even issuing passports to American citizens. So I don't know what's going on next as far as visas go, but that's the one thing about pilot season that I've seen impact foreign actors is that the, it used to be a minimum of three weeks to get a visa done. Um, And so if the pilot's shooting two weeks from when we're doing screen tests and auditions, not gonna happen, yeah. So realistically to have your O1 or to have your green card uh, before you begin is by far the better opportunity? Well, to have it or at least to have, um, to have a team working on it, you know, because it has to go through uh, lawyers and, you know, all that stuff. Yep. So, so having all that stuff in place, I mean, your, your resume, your, you know, all the stuff that shows that you have a special artistic talent to trump and citizen that's an actor so but we've done i mean almost every every show i've done i've hired people from somewhere else so yeah yeah, the um the lead in 13 reasons why is from australia uh obviously um pitch perfect we have rebel wilson um so i you know we have um or charlie says we had an australian actor uh and two british actors so there's, um, you know, it's not, it's not like I, I never, until it gets to the point of, I have to find out, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't consider whether somebody's, okay. you know, where they're, where they're born. And also uh, another thing in terms of being in the room, whether you're getting to the next level, there is always that question around, do I walk in with an American accent or do I walk in with my own, my authentic accent? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I want to see character work more than an accent. Um, 
whether it's Australian or New Zealand or American and the various American accents, I'd rather see an actor's take on the character and then start putting the layers of an accent on it because the accents are so specific. Uh, a Southern accent in the United States is definitely a different accent than a New England accent. Um, and so I'd rather see great character work because the, there will usually be, especially if it's a regional uh, story, will be a dialect coach to work with at some point. Um, if somebody does a natural, easy American accent, then it's always impressive to me and to directors especially that they can do that and then switch into their Australian or New Zealand accent to actually have a conversation. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good to know that you don't have to hold some sort of you can actually authentically, they're not expecting you to try and run that through. You can just be yourself and where is required. So long as your accent is yeah. uh, or you've done the work. Yeah. I know we're going to... I feel, like it, you know, I feel like sometimes an accent will tell you a lot about a character. So if, yeah. there's a, if you have a facility for an accent, then it's a, it's a good idea to try to figure out what that means to that person, you know, as a character. Yeah. One yeah. last one from me at this point uh, before we open up. In terms of that, because America is such a strong, specific culture, as is Australia and New Zealand, mm -hmm. what do you feel? I know that um, America is extremely good at the sitcom. You know, the Friends, that kind of heightened mm -hmm. comedy that uh, down under humour is a little more underplayed, like Flight of the Concords or Taika. Yeah. You know? So, in yeah, those terms are my of kind of shows. <laughs> 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 um, but that, that type of, what do you see as the difference when you see the tapes all coming in? Is the difference potentially uh, to our detriment or something that we can work on in order to really capture that US culture? That's a good question and not one that I can really answer authentically because I've not done that kind of three camera sitcom work. Um, I don't or, or, any, or any American, like you're saying, yeah. very specific. I mean, we just did, we kind of just did, we just did a pilot for Netflix that was a three camera show. And it was that kind of setup, setup, punch, setup, punch, setup, you know. So, and it was a different rhythm altogether. And some of the actors that I love, you know, would come in and they didn't get that same kind of rhythm that those, those sitcoms have. Um, I don't recognize it as, adult human behavior myself. So I was forced to watch, <laughs> I was forced to watch a friend's marathon once about two years ago when we were um, at a friend's place and for a long holiday. And I actually, <laughs> well, we started with champagne, so that helped, but, um, but I actually ended up in, enjoying the show. I'd never seen it. And, uh, and I get what? it. But a friend of mine is on, a friend of mine is on a really big hit, uh, some, a thing called the Big Bang Theory. And oh, yeah. when it first came on, I watched it because no, I'm an old friend from New York. And I, I felt really bad for him because it was like, oh, God, he has to show up and do this every week. And then, like, nine years later, he's making a million dollars a week. So, yeah. 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 Um, but but the, the difference in tone, the difference in rhythms of um, each project we work on is something yeah. that's important to understand because the tone of a show and, and, you know, researching the director, if there's a director with a body of work that we're working with, and you can't obviously with a first time director, but to find out what the tone of a show is, is good. There was a show we did, a movie we did called Snow Angels years ago that David Gordon Green directed. And um, the lead character um, 
had this very biting, sarcastic humor. And an actress came in that I like, obviously, because I had her in. And she played it in a very melodramatic way and cried during the scene and everything. And David and I were like, that was good, but it's not this show. So try this. And she went, oh, okay. And she turned it and, you know, got what David was looking for, is, even though we didn't cast her. But, but she had completely missed the entire tone of the, of the scene itself. Um, That's really important, isn't it? When you get the brief, is to because thankfully you do share the producers, the directors, etc. So we mm -hmm. can. It's really important to research their back body of work to know exactly that the genre that you are about to tune into. Yeah, and it's like you know, I mean, I feel like there's a we can access a lot now, and if I'm working on a project that's also based on a book, I'll read the book. Um, if I'm working on a project with a director I haven't worked with before, I will we'll watch his work. I did a movie called Prisoners with Denis Villeneuve a few years back and um, watched the Denis movies that were, were available at the time. There were two. And had a, even if I hadn't gotten the job, I would have felt like I'd been given a gift because his movies were brilliant, you know? Um, and then I got to work with him too, which was even better. Um, so there is a lot. I did a film a couple of years ago called Shot, and one of the day player roles was a paramedic. And it's a simple brief scene with the lead actor who's been shot, and you're, they're taking him to the emergency room. And he did this scene, and he was so grounded and specific in it. And I said, wow, that's the best I've seen this scene. And he's like, well, last night I went on Google, and I thought, okay, I'm going to find out what a paramedic actually has to do and they have to talk to the driver and they have to like hook up all these and you know and so it was like oh of course boom <laughs> you did your homework for this one day day player role and it actually came to life in this scene because he knew what this person was supposed to be doing we cast a small part in book club of a cop that rolls up on one of those um little motorized scooter things and uh and it's the scene with Jane Fonda and, and um, Don Johnson. And so we cast this guy because he was really funny. And, uh, and then I said, okay, have you ever been on one of these things? He's like, no. And I said, go to Venice Beach and rent one because you cannot show up on set and waste everybody's time. So he did. And, you know, boom, done. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff that, that actors can do to actually support their own work and, and also show up on set ready to work too. On that, which is uh, which is a good segue into training, with theatre, obviously to to be in uh, high level theatre roles, it's expected that you've done high quality training, and with screen, it feels like it's a little could even be a little more hit and miss. And that if there's a quality that mm -hmm. you see a, a rawness, then there is no training. Do you take like really specific genres like an, an Aaron Sorkin or something that's a very specific? A level of intelligence, perhaps, um, or quality with the, the streaming that it now is out there. Do you take into account when you're looking through CVs training, or yeah. is it more that? Uh, in it's, terms it's, of it's, a, it's a little bit of it's a combination of everything, Sarah. Um, because an actor can is on their own journey. You know, if they got into Juilliard and graduated from Juilliard, they're probably pretty good. You know, although they have to forget all of the stuff that they learned at Juilliard 
um, to sink into stuff. Um, but there, especially there's, there are more theater trained actors in New York than there are in Los Angeles because there's just no theater here to, to speak of. And so a lot of the actors come straight from, you know, their hometowns in wherever in America and, yeah. uh, and just have that drive to act. And each actor, you know, I've seen actors grow over the years. The first time I ever saw Charlize though, she was like, bam, that girl is an actor. And she just gets better and better and better, you know? And I don't know if she's ever even trained. I know when I first met her, she had, she was uh, doing modeling. So, but man, she was a force to be reckoned with from day one, you know? So it's a, you know, actors learn as they go. And I think as human beings, we all learn as we go. And, and uh, that's part of the real thrill of, you know, being an artist, first of all, but also being on a, a life journey is to keep questioning what life is about and what, you know, each person's stories are about. But yes, there's, there are more theater trained actors in New York and it seems like everybody in London, you know, has some sort of theater background as well. There's a lot of really great acting teachers here in LA though, that are not, you know, they're, they're teaching people how to work with the camera as opposed to the stage. And so it's a whole different, it's a whole different approach to what we do because we're telling stories in bits and pieces as opposed to an entire story over a two hour period in an evening. And so your journey, you know, in a scene might be really subtle, you know, for an audition and actors of course get two or three scenes and they want to give it all in every audition. But in, in the journey of the story itself, it might be a quieter, scene so it's also good to know where the character is in that storytelling process hi hello hi terry nice to meet you nice to meet you as well my question i guess is a simple one when we are trained here to go to auditions we've often been taught or at least i have that when we enter the the casting room aside from general politeness and as you mentioned earlier to show a positive form of confidence. Is there any other etiquette that we should be, I suppose, displaying? Do we shake the hands of the casting people or what's, how does it work over there? I think nowadays people are not going to be shaking hands, unfortunately, because I actually enjoy that because I'm a Southerner and that's kind of a form of politeness, you know, um, from how I was raised. Uh, but I feel like, you know, just, being a human being and introducing yourself and being gracious, you know, and, and because we've given the actor this time to come into our world. And so I think we're trying to be gracious and I think the actor should, you know, understand that as well. Um, as far as how effusive you want to be though, I mean, I think, you know, we're all ready to get down to the work. Um, so, you know, being polite is great and, you know, getting straight to it and um, showing what you think of as the character is, is, is the important part of the audition process. And I feel like if, if you have any questions, I want to know what they are so that I can answer them before you go in there without knowing full, fully what you want to know. So questions are, are fine with me. Some casting directors don't want to have people question them, but that's not my office. So any questions are... Uh, the the one 
there are two things I don't like. I don't like it when somebody hasn't really prepared because it takes up my time and another actor's time. And one of the things I hate the worst is when, oh, I just got this last night. And it's like, so? <laughs> I didn't need to know that. But so, <laughs> did you work on it or not? You know? so, so making an excuse for a bad audition before you've even done the audition is something that annoys me. So. Great, thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Hope that answered whatever question it was. <laughs> Hi, Carrie. Thank you so Hello, much. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Um, I want to know if there's any particularly memorable first reads of scripts and, and what got you really excited about um, signing on to particular projects. Um, oh, that's a good question. The, the most disturbing script I ever read was uh, the script for Seven. Because um, I used to, when I was living in New York, I would read a script on the way home on the subway and then I would put it down and do my thing in the evening and then read the rest of it on the way back to the office in the morning. And uh, I started reading seven on the subway and I couldn't not finish it that night because I knew it was, I mean, it was just so, it starts out with a bang. You know, <laughs> and then it gets crazier and crazier. So, so that's kind of like the one that I remember most as having some major impact on how I was reading a script. So, and David was great to work with. I loved working with David. I'd done two videos with him before that. So, so it was fun. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Am I Hello. up? <laughs> Very good. How you doing? Very good, thank you. Good, like good, good. Thank you. <laughs> um I just, if this um, continued state of the world, um, or if the state of the world continues, I'm just wondering what um, um, what room there will be for, uh, you know, sort of for callbacks with directors. Obviously, it's great to be in a room with a director, um, and mm -hmm. I really like working that way. Um, if, of course, I'm lucky enough to get a callback. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, do you think that there'd be any room for um, live? callbacks like on I think they're going to have to be because I don't think anybody wants to show up on set not having actually met the mm. person they're working with you know director wise or actor wise um, and so I think there's going to have to be some sort of live experience at certain points um, I mean we've gotten used to Skype auditions anyway because of like I was saying earlier that we're in a global market at this point mm. so um, when we were doing Charlie Says with Mary Heron and we were seeing all of the callbacks from the London tapes that we initially received, all of our callbacks were Skype auditions um, uh, because it was a low budget film. And so they weren't traveling Mary to um, London at the time. And so we, and we ended up hiring two of the leads from those Skype auditions. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's already something that was happening before this. And uh, I feel like the only thing, if this continues as, as locked down as, as it has been going, then the only films that are going to be coming out are animated films. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, cause they don't need real people in them. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, although just, they do need voiceovers. 
if I may just have a quick follow-up on that with international casting when you are doing Skype auditions and stuff like that. Obviously, you're seeing submissions from agents. How often do you um, sort of scour platforms like Showcast, uh, et cetera? Um, uh, the uh, one over here is called uh, uh, Actors Access. Um, yes. And so, I mean, there's such a massive amount of actors, obviously, you know, in the mm -hmm. United States and probably Australia and New Zealand as well. That's uh, something that would go to if it's a, a specific kind of role um, that we know probably would not have uh, representation, but uh, somebody that's in your category probably already has rep representation. So um, wouldn't need to look in that other site at that point. So it's something that I just for curiosity, I'll go on to it on most of the projects that we do just to see who's out there that I might not know or who's out there that hasn't gotten representation or, or has left their representation that I didn't know about. So I'll, I'll, I'll scan through it as opposed to diligently look at every, every submission on it um, just to see who's there. Hello. Hi, how you going? Good. My face suddenly popped up on screen. I was concentrating way too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to know, there's been a little bit of talk about, because Australia looks like we're coming out of um, lockdown now, and there's been a little bit of talk about uh, more USA productions coming over to Australia and potentially filming. Just wondering if you may have heard anything about that. Yeah, New Zealand's apparently opened up already, um, according to the calendars we get every day from Hollywood Reporter and Variety and all that. And um, so a lot of producers were talking about, you know, the different places, Iceland, uh, New Zealand, oddly enough, Czechoslovakia, and a couple of the Scandinavian countries seem to be opening back up for production. And then yesterday, London is starting to open up. And... Los Angeles has already approved a couple of um, lower budget films to shoot in the summer here uh, with a smaller crew, of course. So micro budget and ultra low budget films will be shooting here in the summertime. Um, as far as a lot of producers flocking to Australia and New Zealand, I don't know if that's going to happen right away because it's a massive search to do that you know you have to go on location scout you have to you know hire a crew and i would imagine in new zealand peter jackson has all of the crew people already tied up so <laughs> but we shot i mean we shot a, a movie called z for zachariah in new zealand years ago and uh, not that many years ago a few years ago and um and i've worked on a couple of australian productions over the years so but not a lot that i've worked on has actually gone to either place to shoot shoot that's that generated from the united states the only one that actually generated here was craig sobel's film z for zachariah um and it only was it was only a three character film so we didn't actually really access the talent pool there at that point but we do that you know on all of the stuff we're doing we do look at a lot of actors from new zealand and australia so yeah. Hello. Your audit. Your. Right, can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah. 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 I was just wondering. You obviously have, uh, you know, your finger on the pulse with what's going on. So I was wondering if there's a specific type of genre of productions coming up. Should I start 
practicing my swordmanship or something like that. Probably, <laughs> if you like playing with swords. Um, the, uh, the, it, everything is going right now. You know, it feels like, you know, we just got a job that started this week for Facebook, um, the, uh, a show that we did last year called The Birch, which is a horror genre. Um, and they got picked up for a second season. So we started that this week and they're planning on shooting at the end of July. And it's mostly kids because um, it's the demographic for that is teens. Um, we haven't done any, we've got, I've gotten a couple of science fiction scripts in the last month or so. So that seems to be back on target because it seems like they're doing well. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any sword fighting <laughs> pirate films. Um, I don't know if the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is kind of sleeping at the moment or not. But I think any skills that, you know, you're interested in um, that challenge you as an actor and as a person looking at how characters play around with stuff is, is something important. Um, you know, if Westerns came back, horseback riding would be an element. I'm surprised at how many people that come in for, you know, a cop role have never picked up a gun in their life. I think that would be something that would be essential for an actor to understand what the power of a gun is and how it feels to hold it and how it feels to pull a trigger on it if you're going to play a policeman or policewoman. And so, you know, that kind of thing I think is helpful to an actor to ground them in the reality of the and the authenticity of the role that they're playing. So the sword fighting would be fun. I, my first roommate in college was on the fencing team and uh, got me to fence with him once. And man, it hurts when they hit you. <laughs> it's like a little whip that slaps you on the arm and leaves a, a mark. So, <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hello. Um, from New Zealand, down from New Zealand. So, um, Welcome to our small part of the world. Just, um, just wondering if, uh, because we're the sort of place where we make a lot of small independent films. Mm -hmm. I'm just really wondering, have you ever watched any of a, a small independent film from where, anywhere really, and, and seen a breakout performance that you've gone, I've got to cast that person? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I'm on the foreign film committee for the um, Academy. So I watch films from all over the world and, and it's amazing how many films we see. There's usually at least 80 or, or more. And um, every small country has a film to submit. It's amazing. Um, I saw one from Australia a few years back that was uh, uh, about the Aboriginal situation there, which is pretty horrifying and very enlightening film. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of actors in films that I write to their agents and say, who is this person? And, you know, I'm going to be looking for stuff for them. I just did that, um, for a TV show that I rarely binge watch anything, but during this time I, I watched, uh, I worked with Jillian Anderson a few times. So I watched, uh, uh, sex education and got hooked on it and then the girl in it that's the bad girl i wrote her <laughs> her um stayed up until three in the morning watching the first season and uh wrote her agent the next day and said i love this woman who is she what you know i'm i've got a caster in something so yes i do that and um and you know we're lucky i mean we um we did a, 
film called Leave No Trace and found Thomason for that from a tape. Uh, so, and now she's got quite a career, which is really nice, you know. Um, uh, Catherine Langford, who's the lead in, in, um, in 13 Reasons Why, which is a series on Netflix, is uh, somebody I saw from a tape from Australia. So, so yeah, I'm always looking at, at film, first of all, and television, and then trying to find actors. I thought the, um, the actor that played the actor in Pain and Glory was uh, phenomenal. And so I wrote his Spanish agent um, after I saw that and said, I'm, I, I need to find something for this guy. He's brilliant. You know, the whole film was brilliant, but, but this guy was a standout to me. So, so yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, my name is Clarice. Um, I, was wondering, I love that name, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I was just wondering, are there many situations where the people who were originally cast have had to be replaced um, how common is that? And is that a process that you're familiar with? Yes, it's not common because it's such a long process to actually get down to, to um, casting someone, um, especially after audition after audition. But um, yeah, every once in a while we'll replace someone. And it's usually uh, because they, well, one person we replaced recently got a bigger job. So okay. you couldn't blame him. And, uh, and then one person that we had cast in a television show, the one that was based on the um, New Zealand show, Filthy Rich, we cast one of the series regulars and he unfortunately got Lyme's disease oh. um, and was hospitalized. And, and so we had to replace them. We had to replace them after all of the work that everyone on that, the mm. network, the studio, the business affairs people. Um, and it was a shame because I loved this actor and, um, and I felt horrible that, you know, he was going through such a bad time in his personal life that, you know, he lost a job that he would have made, a, you know, a nice, mm. nice paycheck on and worked with a lot of really great people too. So, yeah. And it's, you know, it's always, it's always um, disappointing. And yet at the same time, if you do theater, there's always an understudy. So everybody thinks there's only one actor for the job, but that's actually not accurate. <laughs> you mm. know? And, uh, and, or, or we wouldn't even be able to do theater. So, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing when I have to replace someone. Yeah. And yet it works. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The show must go on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Carrie, how you doing? Thanks for coming on. Good. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Wanted to, obviously with everything going on, like it's going to be strange, but being in Australia, how do we get on your radar to start with? Is it, getting the right agent is it a good headshot is it having a stellar reel what what are you looking for that's good that's great this is great so your headshot should look like you um and i know everybody wants to have a great headshot i would like to look like clark gable but i don't you know and i can probably photoshop myself into a clark gable look but um but your headshot should be really really clearly you um, so that I'm looking at you for the right role. And then I love watching reels. You know, it's, it's three to five minutes out of my life. And if you have a dramatic reel and a comic reel, then separate them so that, you know, it highlights um, those two things. I love reading resumes. I love seeing where someone's been, what they've done, uh, where their training came in. And so, and then of course, you know, 
doing things like this is a good way to get in front of a casting director that you're not necessarily going to get into the room with right away. Um, so, uh, and, and I've been to both Australia and New Zealand twice with this Equity Foundation and done live classes for several days in a row, which was wonderful. Um, so, and I do, I do, there's one company I actually like to teach for here in Los Angeles that has actors that I've hired many times um, since the classes because they screen their actors and, and I'm not seeing people that don't actually know how to act, which is great. Um, so yeah, doing stuff like that. And then, you know, asking your agent to forward your information to me if you have an agent or a manager. And, uh, and right now I've got agents every few days asking me to do Zoom or Skype generals. Uh, usually when somebody comes from Australia or New Zealand and have reps here, I'll meet with them in person because I have, you know, relationships with a lot of not only the um, actors in both of your countries, but here, you know, reps here that, that represent Australian and New Zealand actors. And I've had really, like I was saying, I have really great success in having hired people from down under, which is wonderful. And then Alex and Mary, of course, with the Actually Foundation have been great about making sure that you guys are still in front of me too, after I've been there. So. So that's good. So hopefully that helped. <laughs> yep, there you are. <laughs> Hi, um, oh, let's put the stuff up on my screen. Hi, Kerry. I'm Michaela. Um, I'm just curious to know if you have ever disagreed with uh, the director or producers that you're. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that. I wonder how much that happens. Um, most of the time. Nowadays, I don't have big disagreements with producers or directors because I've been working with a lot of the same people and I am in a very fortunate position to only take on projects that I like if it's a new group of people. Um, and the biggest, the, the biggest discussion I have that's um, kind of collaborative but not exactly creative is with the production teams usually with you know, well, we have to cast, you know, three parts that are meaningful to financing. And, and it's the most boring conversation I have about casting. Obviously, everybody's going out to the same five people. Um, and they're the ones that mean something for international financing. I have, I have not won the argument a few times, but most of the directors I work with, um, I know we're not supposed to touch our faces or anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, uh, most of the directors I worked with, though, were willing to listen to m what I think about an actor. And because I know actors better than directors sometimes, because I've seen them in the room mm. for a decade and they haven't. They've only seen whatever work they may have seen at all, if anything at all. And so, so I'll, I'll really fight for an actor if I feel like, you know, the, the, they're who I think see in the role and I'll have to back it up with why I see that obviously um, over someone that I don't think is quite as good a fit for a role. Awesome. So, Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Don't look so surprised. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that self-taping is something, especially during the current climate, we're going to have to get used to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was wondering, obviously it's not as ideal as being in the room and no, having that um, live feedback, the live 
atmosphere, getting an adjustment on the spot. What's the main thing that you guys want to see in a self tape? If that's the only option we have, or what's the, what's the best thing in a first self tape to focus well, on? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to have to navigate for an actor, I think, because I don't think an actor is ever going to be satisfied, ex completely satisfied with what they've done. Um, I don't think any artist is. I have a, a good friend who's a painter and every time he has a gallery show, he's delivering paintings that are still wet, you know, because he's still working on them and yet his show is scheduled and so he has to deliver. And I think the same with an actor because, you know, they're an artist as well. So I think once you've taped and you have the opportunity to watch it yourself, of course, until you are satisfied with it to send it in. And, um, and I think one of the important things is to, because it's a vacuum and the audition process is in a vacuum anyway, you're in my room with a blank wall behind you and, you know, a reader that may or may not be gender appropriate for the scene, you still have to figure out what you want to do with that character. And same with the self tape, get a good reader. Don't get somebody that's going to distract things. Um, because as I was saying, you know, you can, on a self tape, you can actually get somebody that's gender specific to work with you. Um, and so that will be helpful, I think, for you as an actor. And then make sure your background isn't distracting. Um, a couple of times, well, when we were doing Charlie Says again, because we were doing a lot of Skype auditions with the director, one of the actors was doing his Skype in his kitchen and we were going, oh, that's a cool teapot. There's like, <laughs> so something that's not uh, diluting the focus of you as the actor. Like with you right now, I can see the pillows on your bed and the all those pill bottles on your bureau. <laughs> it's like, um, but uh, but um, so you know, it's good to have something, Sarah. That's um, that's just showcasing you, and also make sure the sound is good and the lighting's good. Your lighting in your bedroom is great, but um, but you know, good lighting and good sound uh, are the most important factors. Thank you. The, yeah, of course. Hmm. I have a question in regards to uh, if you see a great self-tape from an actor, especially uh -huh. as, I suppose if someone has just moved to the United States, mm -hmm. um, which I'm going to be doing soon, uh, but they don't have a massive CV behind them in terms of built up of, you know, co-stars and guest stars. Does that weigh in a lot to the process if they're kind of seen as quite green? No, okay. not really. Um... Because, I mean, if you're 20 years old, how much experience can you have unless you started working when you were four? You know, so, so I don't feel like that has a lot to do with, you know, whether I'm going to see an actor or not. Um, it's nice to know that they are a professional and, you know, are jumping in with both feet and have, you know, done some sort of training or, or whatever. But, but, I mean, if, you, if you're your age, you, you can't have a body of work that's, huge unless like i said you started at four so yeah if, if someone i mean i'm not quite in my 20s <laughs> yeah if someone is a little bit you know you have been in the industry for a little while over here you know a decade or so and jump same same kind of deal for you or you think that makes yeah difference? well you know i mean i'm not that familiar with a lot of the um television shows over there i watched h2o for a minute because there were a lot of fun people on that you know and i think it's been going on for a decade probably. Um, a lot of my Australian friends have done 
uh, Home and Away or whatever that show is. Um, so I've seen a few episodes of that because I have friends in it. Um, but as far as a lot of Australian or New Zealand television, I haven't seen that. I see mostly more film work from the two countries than, than television work. So, but having, having worked on a set is certainly a plus for any actor because they're going to know how to navigate once they get there through that whole world of, you know, craft services and other people doing their jobs that have nothing to do with, you know, anything but the support of your job because your job is with the DP and the director and the other actors usually. So, um, so yeah, so, so your resume is your resume and you can't make it any different than it is. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Of course. Joel. Hey, Carrie. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I keep um, forgetting it's morning over there. You can see like the darkness is coming in here from the windows outside, but uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm in Queensland, so it's about lunchtime, but it's a bit overcast, so that's uh, okay. I'd love to hear I just love hearing your stories. I'd love to hear about Charlize there and her first audition with you. The um, first thing I worked with Charlize on was um Cider House Rules. And uh she, it's not the first thing that she auditioned for, though. I auditioned her for a couple of projects before that, which she didn't get. Um, but she was great, and I loved her and had her back in for Cider House. And, um, and then she ended up screen testing with two other, two other actors that were uh, done for screen tests. And, and the minute she walked in the room, I knew she was going to get it because <laughs> she clocked the whole power structure of the room. <laughs> you know, And it was like, yep, that girl just got a job. Um, but I've worked with her a few times since too. And um, uh, most recently on a show that she executive produced called Girl Boss for, um, for uh, Netflix. And she's amazing. I mean, she's just, she's just a force and she's an incredible actor. I thought that her performance in um, uh, Bombshell was the only reason to watch that movie. And I, and I like all of the actors in that, but the movie was not as fully fleshed out as hers and um, Lithgow's performances were, I didn't think. And so, you know, it's just, she's just great. I just love her. She's, uh, she's the nicest person. She's obviously incredibly beautiful. And, um, but she's a force, you know, she's a very driven human being. And I think a lot of, I think actors have to be because you, you have to be tough and vulnerable at the same time. And you have to put yourself out there and, you know, probably get rejected more than you get accepted. So, I mean, that's the kind of drive that, you know, to become an actor, I think you have to be brave enough to actually realize that that's part of the, the job process too. And the journey that you as an artist are going to be on for your, probably most of your career, you know? So, so her drive is, is impressive. <laughs> yeah. So. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Kerry. Um, I worked with you a couple of years ex actually on those classes you were talking about. Yep. Um, yep. You introduced me to that incredible film confirmation that you cast with Kerry Washington. Yep. Thank you for that. Um, my question was back to sort of the casting process. When you're casting um, a production, how many new people would you try and see in that process? And how do you decide who, who you're going to see? Do how agents present 
them come into it? Or is it no, it's, it's, it's different for each project. Um, so right now we're working on a project that Patricia Arquette is directing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's her first feature that she's directing. And we were working on this a couple of years ago with a different director and Willem Dafoe was attached. And then two years later, now it's Patricia. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have Ethan Hawke attached to it. Uh, there are two young women that are the co-leads of this film. We're seeing a lot of people that, you know, on tape that we haven't, um, that I didn't know before because they're a certain age. And then there are a lot of women that I know because I know a great pool of talent in that early 20s age range as well. Um, And then Patricia has been very diligent about looking at reels and tapes and then deciding whether, you know, she wants to, you know, see more people on tape from the reels that she's seen or if she doesn't feel like they're right for the role. So each project's a little different. Um, The the most of the time though with with uh people that are i'd say under 30 most of the people i see are new to some new to me a lot new to me actually and then really new to the directors that i'm working with so so the the amount of new people i see is is massive each time cool thank you yeah yeah hello Hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just wondering, going back to when you're watching tapes and showreels and stuff, what are the things that people do that make you keep watching? And what are the things that they do that immediately make you want to skip through? Because they say that the first, I guess, like 30 seconds or so is the most important. Well, I, I, with, a, with a tape that's a self-tape, if you're not right for the role, then I'll watch, you know, at least the first scene, but realize that it's not what I'm going to end up looking for for this. Uh, as far as uh, reels go, whatever work you think is fun to look at and that you had a good time doing, I'm happy to watch. I love watching reels, they're fun. Um, the one thing I uh, would say about putting a reel together is make sure that I know I'm watching you as opposed to, oh, you had a scene with Kate Blanchett and I already know who Kate Blanchett is, so I don't need to watch her as the lead into a scene. Um, so, so that's, as far as reels go, it needs to be really pointed to the person I'm supposed to be looking at. Um, and, you know, if, if you're satisfied with your tape and you think you've done a good job, you, you probably have. So it'll be worth me investing my five minutes into. So that. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Of course. It's um Sarah's back. <laughs> I've been here the whole time. No, so, um, thank you everyone for your wonderful questions. I hope everyone um has gained so much of information. Thank you so much, Kerry. I do just want to finish on you. Ah. Um question. It's really interesting hearing you talk about all the uh projects that are coming your way. So you must be inundated. And I'd love to know what makes you choose to to cast a a project. Because you might uh, like a director or, or agent, you must get swamped. So what makes no. you select? The, something that interests me. I, I, um, a lot of my work, like I said before, is with the same teams. So I've done everything Tate Taylor's done from his first film to his uh, most recent television show, which is Filthy Rich. I've done everything that Tom McCarthy's done from Station Agent to the movie that we just did called Stillwater with Matt Damon. Um, 
I've done every Mary Heron film. So I've got a lot of directors that I work with over and over and over again. So if they're sending me something, it's a given that I'm going to work on it. Um, and, and then with new scripts, we get about, I'd say probably at least one and possibly two scripts a day. Um, if, and so it's a massive amount of reading and, and, uh, a script has to really grab me to make me want to do it. And, you know, it's all kinds of genres that come into us. So it's, I, I feel like, like even with, with any, any person in our world, I think it's, I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Um, which is probably one of the reasons I don't do a lot of network television because I did the first show I ever did was sex in the city. I did the pilot and then the first two seasons of it. And after the second season, I was kind of bored with it. So handed it over to our associate, Jennifer McNamara, who went on to cast the, the rest of the seasons and, um, and then became head of casting at NBC. Um, so that was a nice journey for her to take on. Uh, but but mostly if a script is well-written and I think that there's something that I can help put together as storytelling, interesting storytelling, then that's what intrigues me about a script. And like with Winter's Bone, I read the script and we had not worked with Deborah Granite before. And I thought this is one of the most beautiful scripts I've read. I doubt anybody's ever going to see the film, but it would be fun to work on. Thankfully, I was wrong <laughs> because a lot of people saw it. And it got a lot of academy, you know, awards attraction across the board. But, um, but that kind of thing was, you know, something that intrigued me. Um, Some the, random girl called Jennifer Lawrence got cast. Don't know her, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing about working, you know, building up relationships with people over the years. I, Tracy Brennan was her agent. And Tracy had two clients that I wanted to see. So I called Tracy and it's like, okay, get these two women in. And she said, well, I just signed this new girl and she's only done a four episode arc on a television show. She's brand new. And I said, well, I like your taste. So send her in. And it was Jennifer. And, um, and of course she booked the job and became one of the biggest movie stars in the world. So, so that is back to, do I see new people? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.